Hello, hello, and welcome to CVET's podcast. We're your host, Georgina Piltz. And Ruben Cervantes. And if you've been following us, actually starting last week, we had uh, Isaac Bennett with us talking about apostolic love, and he was answering the question of... Why is it important to love? What is love? And he actually even broke it down in an epic way. The difference between transactional love and transformative love. And it was so insightful. Well, it was it was, it was convicting. <laughs> yeah, convicting too. Convicting, insightful, and helpful. Yeah, so so right. today we are going to be talking about apostolic prayer. And the main question we're asking is, what compelled the apostles to pray and why did they pray? What was their heart as they were praying for the people? And to help us answer this very big question, Benji Nunez, thanks hey. for joining us. Yeah. yeah, thank you for inviting me. Of course. Benji and I have been friends for a very long time. Uh, of course, time. He's, he's an intercessory missionary like all of us here. He's got his own platform called Casas de Oración, which seeks to uh, empower the Spanish-speaking world with the message of Christ's return and intimacy with Jesus, the first commandment, those kinds of things. But above all, you're a good friend. <laughs> to many We're all people. friends here. <laughs> for so, real. So thanks for Thank being you. here. Yeah, I, the, the main reason we want to look at this is it's not just why did they pray, right? Uh, but it's, it's why did they pray the way that they did, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Some really strong words and deeply embedded theology. And uh, of course, if you follow the International House of Prayer here in Kansas City, um, you know that we we pray according to apostolic prayers. Mm -hmm. But what we're looking at today isn't so much um, at, at that. We're, we're looking at the prayer of the apostles. Why did they pray the way they prayed? Uh, that kind of goes with our series as we just kind of got smitten with the message of apostolic love. Yeah. We want to understand then, okay, help me understand these prayers a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. So why don't we just dive right in? There's so yeah. many different ways to approach this, but, I but know. Benji, how did you begin to interact with the apostolic prayers, these prophetic promises found in scripture? Yeah, uh, well, it's a, it's a change from the Hispanic way, let's put it that way, which is the only context I have, which is you just pray your heart and, and then you get bored because it's all about you. But the apostolic prayers really took me from my micro world to the big cosmo, like the cosmic perspective right. that the apostle have. Mm -hmm. So the the way that um, I see the apostolic prayers to me is, I like to start with the premise of what was the number one verse that the apostles quote in the New Testament. It was Psalms one ten. Yeah. So in Psalms 110, what you have is that the apostles, okay, Jesus goes up in heaven, Acts 1.10, 1.11. And then they are sent to the upper room, and they are there for 10 days. Yeah. And they're studying the scriptures. They are now, they receive a little down payment of the Holy Spirit, says John chapter 20, that they, the Lord was blowing on them, and they received the Spirit even before the Pentecost. So yeah. you have the upper room, 120 people, Filled with the Holy Spirit, and then diving into the scriptures. Right. And the number one verse that they quote after that is Psalm 110. Right. What you see in Psalm 110 is that, you know, a thousand years before, David saw the second part of the ascension of Jesus. So they saw it in Acts 110, how Jesus went up. David saw the second part a thousand years before. So Jesus is going up. Yeah. and. They see how David saw how Jesus ascended and the father tells him, 
sit at my right hand until I put all your, your enemies under your feet. Mm-hmm. So they realized in the upper room that there was a moment of waiting, right. that the kingdom had come in them, mm-hmm. but they, they had to be a moment of waiting until all the enemies of God were under the feet of Jesus. Right. So I think that that sets the pace of what is the heart in the apostles. Yeah. That they didn't, they didn't believe that Jesus was going to come next day. I think after they dive into Psalm 110, they realized that they had to be a moment of waiting and that they had to have a participation mm-hmm. on that kingdom coming of putting all the enemies under the Jesus' feet. And that's why they pray. Yeah. I think that they, they said, okay, we need to pray, we need to proclaim, we need to fast, yeah. and we need to actually intercede because out of Zion, the rod of his power will come. So it's up to us, mm-hmm. and it's up to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to see the apostolic heart that started in that upper room when they realized through the studying of the scripture and the revelation of the Old Testament that Jesus was going to come on, until they participated in the day of his power. Yeah. So uh, Psalm 110 is a good beginning mm. to, to, to know what is the heart behind the apostolic prayers. No, yeah. that's so good. I think even just reading through the New Testament, you can see how every message that they spoke was fundamentally directing everybody towards the second coming of Christ. Yeah. They, they never spoke without that. And so I think having that as your perspective yeah. of, no, we're actually together, we're living for another age. We are waiting for Jesus to come back with his rod and his staff to rule out of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. If that's your perspective and your starting point, then of course you're going to pray differently than, Lord, just help me today. Yes. It's all about right now. It's how about I feel today. Yeah. And so I think that's such a good point of like, no, this is this is step one, <laughs> realizing yeah. what we're living for, and then step two, <laughs> then you know what to pray. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's good. I think other thing I'm I know we're not just honing in specifically on the apostolic prayers, but when you read them, the the couple of verses before every prayer, you actually see the desire within the apostle for the people themselves. Like they often start with, oh, I have never ceased to give thanks for you or my desire and prayer for you is this. And I think it's so, um, it can be contrary to how we live today because they're praying not that they would have a benefit for themselves or a gain for themselves, but truly for a desire for the people that they're praying for to be established or to grow up in their faith. Um, and again, that's not something that's tangible that they can have for right now and right here. But again, it's unto being strong for that, the day of Jesus' yeah. return. It's like they, they change completely. Is A few years later, uh, before, sorry, a few days before, they are escaping for their lives. Mm. They are they abandon Jesus. Yes. They are, you know, swearing when a little servant is telling Peter, oh, you were with Jesus and then after the resurrected Christ appears to them, and then he says, if you love me, take care of my flock. Yeah. It's like if the Father heart of God was embedded in them. Mm-hmm. And you see a Peter that is not a coward and a selfish person. He's a father. Yeah. So the apostolic prayers, is it actually changed the apostles to become like the Father because they, were, wow. they had to father a movement, the church, the whole church. So... It's, it's, it's so endearing when you see that. It's, it's true uh, that they were, uh, it's like if the, the father was praying through them. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, yeah, it's true. That's I, I just love picture. that. Great picture of them being the fathers. So you can actually see it. You can feel the heart as you read it. Mm-hmm. You know, and interesting, I, you know, as we're talking about this, there, there's also something that really fascinated me from uh, Acts chapter 4. You know, there's Peter and John. They're preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And then mm-hmm. they get busted, right? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the, the religious rulers at the time captured them. I mean, and by some kind of divine intervention, they are freed and they don't get persecuted, right? And that, that really preaches well in a Western context, right? Like, yeah, God delivers, whatever. But then, you know, you, this prayer that we know uh, from Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it's actually not an, I mean, if I may say so, not an apostolic prayer because it wasn't the apostles who prayed it. If you look at the context, you know, he's... Psalms 2. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, well, be, yes, exactly. There's Psalms 2 that precedes this, but what, what's going on is that Peter and John go to the believers and tell them, hey, did, look what happened. And they're like erupting in celebration. Mm. And it's the believers, the friends, the one, you know, the, yeah. the, the, oh, yes, true. the cook and the, and the person true. who is building the, the little <laughs> shed in the back. Like the point is that it's the friends who then erupt in Oh, this is Psalm two, uh, you know, and the, and they and they in verse twenty five. So we we we. Oh, is it verse twenty four? No, no. Let's look at verse twenty three of chapter four. It says, "When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them." Verse twenty four. And when they heard it, okay, when the believers heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, "Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David your servant said to, by the Holy Spirit." Okay, they quote Psalm two. Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and His anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Right? So they're they're what they're doing is they're rightly understanding the time that they're living in. Right. The the friends, after hearing this report of how they proclaimed with boldness the message that was given them, and 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 and, and what ended up happening is is this climactic moment. In verse 29, and now, because of all this, because of Psalm 2, because of the boldness by which they preached and the rejection that they faced, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants that they would continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. Signs and wonders are performed through the name of your servant, Jesus. And of course, then they experienced the the, the shaking and, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But the reason this caught my attention is the community had a theology that they were going to suffer. It's amazing. And, and, and instead of praying to, oh, God, thank you for preserving Peter and John. Hey, guys, stop doing that. You know, like, go hide, go take a sabbatical, but, you know, keep that. your mouth shut a little bit because, you know, they're against you right now. Instead, it's like grant to them that they would keep being bold now that they've been discovered as those that will suffer with him. Like, I just think of so the theology much. behind that. Like, wow, what kind of... What kind of sacrificial love drove them to say, wow, to have friends? Like, it's like Benji. Yeah. It's like me telling you, hey, man, I almost got killed when I was preaching, you know, in, in, in San Francisco. And then I pray for you, Lord, thank you for using Reuben. Now send him again with <laughs> yes. more boldness exactly. so he gets persecuted again with power. Yeah, like because you are wor- like but a friend. As a friend, you, you know, I, I see the believers, they saw the value and the dignity for Peter and John to be counted worthy to suffer with him. Yeah. I mean, but you can also see that there is 
clear apostolic love between them because yeah. it was only once they had prayed together in unity that mm. the Lord came and filled them all with the Holy Spirit that they would speak the word with all boldness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if there wasn't that same heart, same mind, yeah. same spirit, what would have taken place? You're right. You're right. Totally. You know? totally. <laughs> if they would do what we usually do, hey, I'm suffering, text message. I'll be praying for you, Netflix. <laughs> I never pray. Stop. I'll pray for you play you know yeah, yeah it's just five seconds of yes even responding and then you move on they were together yeah contending as their friends were suffering yes so that that's why they had that response yeah it's an apostolic response because of apostolic love yeah. it's amazing yeah and and it was it was deeply embedded in a hope yet to come mm. you know i was i was uh, uh i got to share with a some Brazilian people during a Zoom call. Praise God for this time. I, I'm really grateful, by the way, that I don't have to travel to, you know, because I was on a Zoom call. And, and anyway, I was speaking to some Brazilian people. And um, and what was what I was experiencing there, because they found out I'm doing my research on revival, one of them asked, hey, how do we balance this? You know, in Brazil, there's a strong push for revival now and, and stuff. How do we balance that longing and that focus with it not being enough because we want the return of Jesus. It was a great question, right? And, you know, what made me realize is, like, the reason he, uh, he asked me that question is because so often we, we trade the temporary blessing for our eternal hope. You know, like, revival is, we want it. It's a blessing, but it's temporary. It's just a glimpse. It's a, it's a moment in time when something changes. But here's the sad part of every revival is they all ended. They're, it's history, mm -hmm. That's why it's called the history of revival. It's in the past. It's not in the present. And, and so revival ultimately isn't the solution, right? Ultimately, the, 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 the longing of creation groaning in our own hearts is that our king would be back here. Yeah. Right? That's, and that we will be ready. Right. And to that to is receive some, him. Right. Yeah, that is something I see in the apostolic prayers is I don't have to wonder how revival is going to look like because... Every apostolic prayer, meaning every prayer that is in the, in the Bible, is endorsed by the Holy Spirit. Right. Meaning, yeah. is according to the will of God. Therefore, all of those prayers will be answered before Jesus comes back. Yeah. So if I want to see what revival looks like, I just have to break down the apostolic prayers and put that list together. And that's how the mature church, that's the fullness of the Gentiles. Right. So I, I just picture, what if... John 17 was fulfilled, like we actually are one, yeah. that we actually are filled with the knowledge of God in Colossians 1.9, that we actually are filled with all good fruits in every good work, that we are walking fully pleasing the Lord. Just put that list together, put all of the apostolic prayers, and just imagine those being fulfilled. That is revival. Yeah. And a little portion of the apostolic prayers is actually demonstration of power and miracles. 99% is maturing in love to the point that we are willing to give our lives for the Jewish people and our enemies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No greater love than this. And um, so I agree with you. Revival disappears, but only the signs and wonders. The 99% the, the of revival is love, mature. Therefore, wow. that doesn't have to disappear because Actually, yeah. the nature of the kingdom of God is from glory to glory. Mm -hmm. It's like the dawn, you know, until the day is perfect. So, yeah, we might see three and a half years in average of revival, but that's just the 1% of power. The, all, the other maturing love, it never 
it doesn't have to stop. That, that's the that's the key so point. Good. It doesn't have to stop, but and and I think that exposes how much we've chased the power over. Yeah. You know, over the lo- the love that he gives because I mean I I think about what we talk about revival, mm-hmm. what we pray for with revival. I mean, if we're honest, we're asking for instantaneous healing, dramatic financial breakthrough, mm-hmm. um, societal change that's caused by some a power encounter like we we typically equate revival or the fruit of revival to be to be something that validates our faith mm-hmm. you know that proves that our sacrifice is worth it to others yeah. and um and what you just said is like the goal in God's heart for revival yeah, it's to, to heal and to, you know, all that stuff. But it's to produce love. I mean, he's going to bring us all together in love. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. I don't think I've ever heard it put like that, that it really is only 1% compared to the 99% of love growing and abounding still more and more. I think that's so important to focus in on that. Because like you said, it's like when you are focusing in on, on the healings and the miracles and they don't come how you're expecting – then you're just going to be offended. Yeah. But if your aim is to continue to grow in love, then love isn't offended. Love is sincere and without offense. And I'm like, oh, that's so different to how we usually see it. And yeah. it just blows your mind. I mean, I believe yeah. that that is the heart of God, right? I mean, yeah. it, totally. I, I remember, I, I, I don't know where I read it, but maybe it was a book that I read recently for, for my research. But the point is that, you know, why don't we see much emphasized about praying for revival in, in the New Testament? And the obvious answer is like, why do you pray for something that you're already living through, right? And of course, at that time, when 3,000 are added to your number in one day, you could pretty much say that there's a revival uh, going on, divine intervention in their, in their, in their midst. Um, and and so what the apostles, they're writing from a place of encounter. They're writing from a place of what we've been longing for, of revival. And, um, and so I love, I love that because I think the ultimate goal is to, to, to experience, just as you said, the love. And I, I, I don't know how to quantify the 1%, 99%. I mean, that's really difficult for me to understand. But I think the, 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 what, what I love about what you said is, is that, God's heart is always to produce love in our hearts, right? It's always to, to cause us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it's, it's pushing us to this higher virtue that we might be compatible with his kingdom to come. And, and that, that's what really moves me, you yeah. know? Yeah, totally. If you put, I did it for fun a few years ago, if you put a list of every, everything that is asked in the 20-plus apostolic prayers or in the whole New Testament, just a couple of times, probably three times, in all of that list, it's a ma- they're asking for a manifestation in society that we think of revival, like Second Timothy two, uh, that God will bless our government. Mm-hmm. That ish enters there. The yeah. other one is Revelation one, that we know what is the power that acts in us, and I forgot the other one. The yeah. rest of it is just virtue. Yeah. Is that we will grow in the expansion of our heart. Because God will, if I never see the apostles or Jesus, even in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, Jesus evaluating or, or praising growth in our churches or change in society. Right. It's powerful, yeah. and he does it, but he doesn't, he's not a, 
like whoa is more like do you love me yeah do you love others do you give yourself for your enemies do you bless when they curse you do you it's that is the evaluation therefore i think that the last revival in history the one that we talk about the, even beyond the th third great awakening because that's national yeah talking about the revival in revelation 12 it is going to be the answer of all the apostolic prayers Whew. And as you pray the apostolic prayers, the miracle is the, the principle of 2 Corinthians 3.18, that you, you become what you behold through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we behold, uh, as we pray the apostolic prayers, we will be transformed. So I, I think that the apostolic prayers are a blueprint for revival. Like, how did that look like? And it's another way to behold the Lamb of God. Because we are focusing so much on praying the apostolic heart of Jesus that as we behold him, we pray over and over again, our imaginations gets contaminated with the virus of faith. Yeah. <laughs> and therefore, our imagining things, our fantasies are not according to our flesh, but according to what Jesus wants to pray. Yeah. Therefore, we, we're changed, we're transformed. Yeah. So it's just beautiful how um, God uh, can do so much to just pray in the same prayers. Yeah. I think another thing that strikes me about the apostolic prayer specifically is how, one, they're gender neutral. So it's not as if the apostles are just praying right. for the men or just for the women. But the other thing is that they they aren't dividing culture and races and mm. people groups. They're for everybody and every race and every culture. And I feel like these are the keys to actually end even the racial divide. Yes, what wow. we're seeing right now with the, the black and whites within America, but even between the Jew and the Gentile and the Muslims and everybody, it's like these pray prayers can actually unlock our hearts in a way that there no longer is a divide. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, that struck me the other day when I was reading them. I'm like, oh, these are for all peoples. Yeah. They're, never, they're never specific on, um, I, mean, I mean, you got like um, to the church, in Ephesus or whatever, but it's global. It's for yeah. all people. And I think these are some of the keys that we can take to, to bring into our own lives yeah. so that there is no divide. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it is, it's, it. you know, it, I think about the, uh, because I've been studying revival recently, it's been reading a lot. So here I go, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been looking at the Methodist, uh, phenomena, mm -hmm. you know, like why did they sustain revival more than any other situation? And of course, there was some brilliant organizational skills that they had. But notice that Charles Wesley is kind of underrated in this whole thing because he took all of the sermons and converted them into song. That way, it would became the language of the people. And as the people sang the song, whether they were coal miners that couldn't read or whatever, they had the theology embedded inside of their hearts. And That's that powerful. sustained their belief. That's powerful. And so when we... If, if we want to receive or attain the apostolic love or the drive behind their prayers, then what value it is to pray the way they prayed. It's like we are reciting the theology in its purest form. Absolutely. And therefore allowing it to have a seed deposited in our hearts so that when it bears fruit, it bears the fruit that it was intended from the Lord. It, it's the new wineskin. It prepares a new wineskin in our character Yeah, to sustain the revival, to be the recipients of the new wine. Mm. If not, we break. Yeah. If you have the wrong heart with the right 
outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you break. It breaks you. Yeah. It kills you. Ananias and Sapphira, they were all about the money and the numbers and the dot com. That's why they were <laughs> lying in the middle of revival. Yeah. They didn't have the wineskin. They didn't have the apostolic heart, but they were living in the apostolic power, and they, it, it killed them, literally, yeah. Acts 5. Yes. So the coming revival, it's all about virtue and the new wineskin, and it has to be embedded in us. Yeah. And, and the humility of repetition. Yes. It's amazing. I, I was thinking yesterday about that because I was pr just praying for today. And I was saying, like, Lord, you want us to pray these apostolic prayers. And the, I wish the list was like 150 yeah. prayers, but it's <laughs> only like 20. Yeah. 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 If you actually count Romans 10, 1, like, you know, the, even <laughs> yeah. the little ones, just 20. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, Lord, you know exactly what I'm about to ask you. You know exactly that I can do nothing to answer this prayer. So you know it, and there's nothing I can do about it. So you're going to do 100% of what I'm asking you to do. Right. You still want me to come every day? And the Lord was like, it's because I enjoy you. It's The point is not the answer. <laughs> so beautiful. The answer for, for the apostolic prayers is, sorry, the point and the goal of the apostolic prayers is not the answer, but is the relationship, yeah. is the... Because God is going to do everything at the end of the day. Yeah. He just wants us to, hum to come with the humility of talking to him because he wants to enjoy us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, that is part of why the apostles prayed because they saw Acts 1.11. They saw him going up. Therefore, they probably their clothes smell like Jesus for a couple <laughs> of months. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so they will be like, the only, the only way I can have of enjoying the person that we you know miss the most is to pray yeah and so that was part of it they missed the man yeah. therefore prayer was the only way to remember the you know the glorified jesus right. so that's also part we cannot forget about that that the 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 answer is powerful revival and change but the fellowship and communion right. was at the core of why they pray the way they pray that's right they missed him they missed their friend their master their leader the one who had words of life yeah, that they got on. to, to, yeah. I mean, you know, this, in her book, uh, author Megan Hill wrote a book called praying together, which I highly recommend. It's one of the best books on corporate prayer. Very easy to read, but praying, she, praying together, yeah, praying together. But Megan Hill, she, she writes so beautifully. She, she, she rightly exposes our flawed theology of abacadabra prayers, <laughs> where if you say it just right, then he will answer. Mm -hmm. Like it's a transactional thing like pray it perfect and if you don't pray it perfect you lack a little faith oh you know what sorry yeah it's like you have this epic epic prayer for an hour and then you say in the name of jesus instead of joshua oh no no yeah, you know yeah. cancel that one <laughs> exactly. angels michael you cannot answer that yeah. one yeah and another uh, 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 uh dr siemens he once said god edits our prayers I you know oh, and, and, wow. and, and and i asked him wait what do you mean he's like we we don't know how to pray we, it's not like our prayers are always right. I mean, right. we pray for deliverance for our children, and yet it's it's going through the trial that God is going to bring the most amount of fruit and fragrance from their lives. And so he edits our prayers. He's like, I hear your love, and so I'm going to edit them to make them useful for the sake of your child's destiny. You know, it's like that's what he was saying. And what again, I think what it goes back to is another thing Megan Hill says, which which is a sweet statement. She says that, uh, the believer never prays alone. 
there's no such thing as praying alone because when you pray, you are entering into the divine fellowship. Wow. You're mm. always with someone. That's awesome. Whether in this context with God or you are with the triunity. And the whole point of it is, as you said, this divine fellowship, this divine dance, you know, that you get to connect with the heart of God in that way. I, yeah. I love that. The humility of repeated prayers. Oh, like, yeah. It's not our words that make things happen. It's, yeah. it's just align yourself to his heart and watch him flex his muscles, yeah. you know. It's not the intensity. It's the attendance. Yeah. What yeah. changes. We just yes. have to show up. We just, you know, brokenness, and that's that's what counts. You don't. You mean you mean if I if I if I don't scream loud, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, sometimes you pray with screaming over people because you think it might might work more. Mm. I, I mean, you're confronting all that. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's awesome. So good. I mean, even being in the the prayer room for a couple of years and going off of what you said, Benji, of, of repeating the same prayer. There are those days when you're like, oh my gosh, I know what this verse says. <laughs> doesn't matter. I'm not seeing it, but I'll say it again. And then you look back at five years ago and you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm different. I actually, I I actually love, love that. that person. Interesting. I didn't before. I know that for a fact. <laughs> but then even realizing I know how you're talking about me, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> but even how all of these passages go like they tie in the psalms they tie in exodus they tie in revelation it's like these passages aren't in and of themselves like they're mm. linking the whole bible together and the more you pray oh. the deeper you go the more you're realizing that the word is knowing you and not you knowing the word and i'm yeah. just like oh you can get so caught up in the mystery of what it really means to be rooted and grounded with all the saints to comprehend together what it means and you're like oh it's not just about this one verse. It's actually what the verse unlocks for you, the door that that verse is to enable you to enter into the presence of God. And I don't know, I'm like, oh, there That's is hard. such joy in repeating because you're realizing how much bigger that verse is than you ever even realized. Oh, no. You will not have entered it unless you repeated it. Yeah. And your heart start aligning. Is like the, so what you're saying is, is that the apostolic prayers unlock the Bible and all yes. the references. That's exactly. Amazing. You've said so many tweetable things today. <laughs> You're very good at honing it all in. Oh, oh, so many good things. Oh God, that we would pray like your friends prayed that we might be your friends. Mm. That's kind of, I guess that's what my longing is, is, you know, if John laid at Jesus's chest or Peter was this rough and tough and, reckless guy who was tamed by the love of the master like that's our solution mm. to be friends of god and so it might be a good idea to pray the way his friends prayed you know talk to him yeah. the way they talk to him yeah. and maybe we'll become like him you and, know? and never evaluate a prayer meeting for the size and the energy in the room because david said all the days of my life i want to enter in your temple to behold your beauty and when you realize that the temple was built 40 years after he was dead, what temple was he talking about? He was going up. He was talking about that fellowship. When the Father shows up, Jesus shows up, the Holy Spirit is there, 24 elders, you know. So every prayer meeting is successful because he shows up. It's not that he comes down to our prayer meeting. We go up to that prayer meeting. Mm. Therefore, we are successful in every single sincere prayer. And we're transformed. Wow. 
say that. That is good. (laughs) It's, again, just a different perspective on how we've been, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's like in us, there's this longing, God, would you, like, because there is that kind of like that prayer of intercession that pains you, like, oh, make this happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the intercessory prayer, then because of that sincere, like, afflicted cry to God, we then end up creating a culture where we no yes. longer connect to God as a friend. And, exactly. and no, no, that afflicted cry came from a place of, I know you can do it because we're friends. So yeah. would you do it? It's different yeah. than creating this uh, and propping up this idea of intercession being about the grandiose right. prayers and the articulate speech and the size of the room that's standing with you and the loudness of the you know gathering. Yeah. Like we, we've ended up making these secondary things the main thing. Yeah, and it's so low compared to the real thing. And yeah. But it's a good entry level because Esther was afflicted by her enemy in Esther chapter 4. But after having fellowship with the king a couple of times, she forgot about the enemy, and she's out of, you know, the fellowship of marriage. She right. says, oh, therefore, oh, yeah, yeah, this guy wants to kill all my people. I'm <laughs> Jewish, uh, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just, uh, you know, she releases judgment through fellowship because she wow. entered into the fellowship with the husband. So, so it's sweet. a good entry level, but it's yeah. not the ultimate goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Benji. This Thank has you, been, guys. Yeah. This has been awesome. And encouraging. Yeah. makes you just want to go and pray, yeah. which is a good thing. It just yeah. makes me actually want to do a podcast with you in Spanish because the Latino world needs to hear these things. I know, bro. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you can go and find our previous podcast on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, Spotify, and go ahead and even sign up so you can get notifications when a new podcast is up is really cool yeah yeah do it do it <laughs> i'm subscribed uh, yeah yeah subscribe everything hit the little bell on youtube so you can get notified there you right. go there you go and uh, we look forward to seeing you next friday 2 p.m central time peace